0: I think that a lot of the times what happens is we just feel a little bit too nervous to hold people tactically accountable. We feel like, oh, I just don't want to be nitpicking. I don't want them to think, you know, I have a stick up my butt. Like it, you just get all these defeating thoughts in your head when the reality is most times I just don't know. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. What I wanna share with you is how to solve the problem of not knowing what to do. Uh, As a CEO of your business, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. This is something that I have come across many times for myself. And this principle has just kind of been a guiding North Star for me to figure out if I'm doing what I should actually be doing and what the job of a CEO actually is. Because I think that, at least for me, I know that it's it's ambiguous. It's like CEO, what does that even mean? And I've met so many different CEOs and they all do different things. Some of them are really product focused. Some of them can write code. Some of them come from IT systems. Uh, and some of them are really marketing sales heavy, right? And so it's this ambiguous title and I think it carries a lot of weight and people constantly are saying like, well, what should I be doing, right? Because there's no one to tell you what to do when you're at the top. And so this is what I have come to and what's helped me. And I hope it helps you too. So the, the first thing that I have started off with is, th- I don't think about it as, CEO. Okay. I actually go to CAO and what I mean by CAO, and this is just something I've done to help me really understand or embody this principle is just chief accountability officer. (laughs) And so when I think of chief of accountability officer, I think of, I'm not only accountable to protecting the business, protecting the employees, protecting the clients. I'm also the one who holds everybody accountable to doing those things as well right? I'm accountable to revenue, to margin, to top line, to all the departments that I employ, all the people I employ, and all the clients, right? And so I think that it has to start at the top. You have to be the absolute most potent source of accountability in the company. Now, going with that, you might say, well, what is it to hold someone accountable? That would be to hold someone responsible for the things that they are in charge of, right? And so I think of accountability responsibility as two things that are interchangeable. I think that accountability is more the act of holding someone to it, though. Right, And so someone can have responsibilities and they might not have accountability because nobody's holding them to those responsibilities. It's a small nuance. And so when I say that you're chief accountability officer, this is what I mean by that is performance is always on a spectrum, right? And so say you've got really low performance over here. Say you've got high performance over here, right? With every metric that the company is responsible for, as well as every employee, you always want to say where are they in the spectrum, right? Are they at 80% performance? Are they at, you know, 50% performance? Are they at 10% performance? Right. And so I think that most people, most CEOs, do a good job saying where the business stands in terms of these metrics because they're kind of irrefutable. Like, you can't say, like, we have the goal of hitting this as our top line or as our margin, and then we're here. Like, it's kind of like it's just staring you in the face. There's really nothing you can do to avoid it. Versus with people, this is where I see it fall short, right? Which is CEOs not holding their teams and departments accountable, right? And so that's the part that I think is missing in terms of the role of a CEO and that making this switch right here to calling it CAO has helped me a lot because then I just think to myself, am I holding these people accountable, right? And so what I've, what I've come to realize is there's a few reasons why we don't do this. Okay. The first reason for this is just all of the junk we have in our head, which is basically all the things I've uncovered in myself over the last few years, which is I had a lot of really poor beliefs, um, especially about employees and how I was supposed to hold them accountable. So the first one would be, I don't want to have to babysit them. Right. And I think a lot of people feel this way. You don't want to be the babysitter of people on your team. Right. I think that the second one is that we're all adults here, right? You're like, you're adults. You should know if you're doing your job or not. Like, why should I have to hold grown adults accountable? Right. A third one that I've uncovered is you've got people who are older than you. So you're like, why should I be telling you what to do? You're older or you're more experienced. So like, how, who am I to tell you what to do? I literally hired you because I have no freaking clue what I'm doing. And then another one is just like, this is a high performance culture. You know, they just can't keep up with this. And this is a fantastic excuse for people. Um, they're like, this culture is high performance. They're just not a high performance player. And I'm like, looking at their track record, I actually think they are. And I've dealt with this myself where it just means that you're not holding people accountable or providing enough transparency. And then the last one. And the, probably the biggest one that I'm sure all of you can relate to, because this is the one that I use the biggest excuse of, is time, right? And so we tend to think, like, I shouldn't have to take this much time to hold someone accountable or manage them, particularly when you're looking at, you know, for myself, I know it's for an executive team. I'm like, should I really have to take this much time to handle, in many cases, older, more experienced, high-performance adults? Should I actually have to take the time to, to, to hold them accountable? And the answer is yes. Um, and, uh, I think that a lot of people, and I know myself, this was a huge one for me is that I didn't realize that I need to hold them just as accountable as anybody else on the team. Yes. They have, they can do more. They have more capabilities and they have more runway. Right. Just like, of course, because they're coming into a leadership position, but that doesn't mean that you can hold them any less accountable. It's really interesting because if you start holding them accountable as if they were someone on the front line, I think that you will see that they will succeed much faster, and they will have like way higher performance than if you were to not do that. Because I have made this mistake before, thinking that just because someone's more experienced, etc., that you know I should have to spent so much time, I shouldn't have to feel like I'm babysitting them. They're a grown adult. Like almost even feeling weird telling them what to do. Like well, they definitely know what their job is more than I do. Like I've never done that before. Like for me, example, an example would be like anything with like systems technology or finance. Like, I've never done any of it. So for me, I'm like, well, why should I tell them what I think they should be doing? But the reality is someone has to. And if you holistically know your business and need know what needs to get done, then you are chief accountability officer and your job is to tell them these things. Here's what I've uncovered, is that in the last couple of years, what I've come to realize that there's two things that I can do to hold someone accountable, and this helps me kind of break it down in my brain. Okay, there's two different types of accountability, and I think that often as a CEO or... CAO, we tend to steer towards one or the other, and I think they're both extremely useful. Okay. And so the first one is tactical accountability. Okay. I heard this from somebody somewhere, the tactical versus the next one I'm going to tell you. I don't remember who it was, so I can't give credit. Tactical accountability. What is that? Tactical accountability is holding someone accountable to tactical tasks. It is as simple as it sounds. It is that easy. And so this might look like things like being on time, how you fill out reports, language, Dress code. There are a lot of things that can be tactical accountability. So I'll give you the first example when I realized that I need to do a better job of this is I came to, I want to say it was about two and a half, three years ago now, and I got on a meeting and I remember this is gonna sound so bad. I just thought everyone looked pretty bad. I was like, man, like I don't think anyone did their hair. She looks like she rolled out of bed. I don't even know if that's like a is that a work shirt, is that a white beater? Like I don't know what it is. And I realized, I was like, man, if everyone's doing something is it everybody or is it me? And I was like, okay, it's me. I'm not doing a good enough job holding them tactically accountable. And so that was when I implemented a new dress code and I said, hey, here's what's okay. Here's what's not okay. You can wear business casual. You can wear work shirts. You cannot wear, you know, wife beaters. You can't look like you rolled out of bed. Your background can't be a pile of laundry, right? Things like that. And as simple as it sounds, nobody has showed up that way since then. I think that a lot of the times what happens is we just feel a little bit too nervous to hold people tactically accountable. We feel like, oh, I just don't want to be nitpicking. I don't want them to think I'm like, you know, I have a stick up my butt. Like you just get all these defeating thoughts in your head when the reality is most times they just don't know. Right. And that's how you help people grow. That's how you strengthen a culture is a tactical accountability. Right. Even just a simple thing as oftentimes, especially if you're a virtual company, there's people that are on meetings. Right. And you always know there's one person you can just tell they're typing the entire time. Tactical accountability would be like, "Hey, I know that you've got a lot of work to do, but I would really appreciate if you showed up this meeting not typing, because that's really not okay for our company." That simple. I've done that probably three times. Same with if someone's camera's off. I'm like, "Hey, sorry, at this company, we always have cameras on. Never had their camera off again, right? And if they did, like, you know, they would have another conversation." That's the tactical side of accountability. Now, there's the other side of accountability, which is going to be developmental. And so developmental accountability is essentially holding someone accountable to their career development. And this is my favorite kind of accountability because I think this is the fun stuff, but the reason it's the fun stuff is because it used to be the stuff that was really hard for me, right? Because this is essentially telling someone, this is where they are, they're here, and then they need to be here. And this has a lot more to do with character traits, habits that they formed, ways that they operate within a team, right? And so if you're thinking about developmental accountability, I'm thinking of, okay, there's performance reviews and there's one-on-ones. Those are the two major times that you can hold someone developmentally accountable. The way I say it is if they're surprised on a performance review and if that's the only time you're holding them developmentally accountable, I don't think that's the right way to do it. I just think that, I think of opportunity, right? Opportunity loss, which is like, you could have had all that time in your one-on-ones holding them accountable and they could have been growing that entire time, but instead you're waiting till every six months when you do a performance review. Right? Why? Because you probably don't like having hard conversations. Because it is hard to master the art of getting someone to grow not out of fear but out of desire, and that is what developmental accountability really is. And I think that that's the one that where most people struggle. I'll tell you a story, which is I had a a, a leader in the company, and she is a fantastic. She was a fantastic manager. This is about a year ago, and I remember constantly thinking to myself, you know, I really just wish she had more leadership ability, and I felt like the reason that she wasn't able to take on more from me and that she wasn't able to foster more within her in the company was that. And one day, as I was thinking about it, I realized, I was like, I've been having so many thoughts about her career development. I just realized she's not even part of this conversation. And so I got together with her and I was like, listen, you're a fantastic manager. You've got it down. You have so much potential. Like, if you want to like take it to the next level, if you want to really be able to offload me, for me to offload things to you, et cetera, then here's what I wanna see. Like, I need you to step into that leadership persona of yourself. And it's so funny because sometimes I think we're really scared to have these conversations because we're afraid they're not gonna meet what we say. And lo and behold, I mean, it was like, bam, a complete turnaround within a quarter. And by the next quarter, people were telling me how much they'd realized that she'd developed and changed. And so that really blew my mind because I had felt for a while like a lot of those conversations just fall on deaf ears, right? Like, okay, well, I know how much goes into behavior change for myself. So like for someone else to do it, I'm like, how am I going to on earth, you know, be able to accomplish that? But it is accomplishable. And I think that if you're able to create the right balance between these two, then that is when you really hit the sweet spot, which is if you're looking at tactical versus developmental, I think this is about 20%. It's really little stuff, and it's very frequent. Versus this, I think, is 80%, and that's the meat of everything that you're talking about. Because if you're thinking about it, what most leaders do, and this is a tendency that I used to have, is that I used to go to this, because it's safe. It's like, it's not fun, but it's safe, because it's, like, it's the rule, it's what we said, it, it's the core tenant, right? Versus this is not safe, because it's unknown territory, and it's often a place that we have to go, and we have to tell someone what their deficits are in order to tell them how we need to have them improve, because we're holding them accountable to not only their job, but what they've said they want, right? And so if somebody tells you what they want in their career, right, then you are holding them developmentally accountable, right, to achieving that. And that is what that really looks like. And if you think about it that way, then you're actually just doing them a big favor, right? And so not doing that is actually a disservice to them, and that's not being a chief accountability officer. Thinking about it, one, accountability is a spectrum right? And so you remember that spectrum that I showed you, you always want to tell people it's a scale of one to a hundred, right? Where are you at? Like in terms of expectations for the role, are you at 80% of the role? Are you at 90% of the role? Or are you at 10% of the role? And then the second piece with that is not letting your thoughts get in the way. We have all these self-defeating thoughts about why we don't need to hold people accountable. They're grown adults. I should have to babysit them. It takes too much time. It's all this like head junk just to avoid the fact that we should be doing it. It's work that we need to do, right? As CEOs. And then the last piece is making sure that you get the balance between tactical and developmental accountability. Tactical being the little small stuff, developmental being focused on their career path. So I hope that was helpful for you. That is what has helped me uh, kind of compartmentalize this in my mind and focus on what I need to be doing with my day, right? And so if you think about how to apply this tactically, I would think of this, which is what does your calendar look like? And then when you look at your calendar, Say it's conversational, right? So you're like, I am, Leila, I am coaching people. I am holding them accountable. I'm having a lot of one-on-ones. I have a lot of meetings. I'm not doing the work myself. Okay, that's one step. But what do those meetings look like is the next step, which is what's the mix of tactical versus developmental? And are the conversations that you're having meaningful and driving the ball forward every week by holding them accountable to not only the tactical duties of their job, but the developmental goals that they have based on their career path. So I hope that was useful. If it was, hit the subscribe button. I will see you on the next one.